0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Siobhan Mehta. Dr. Mehta is the Associate Chief Innovation Officer at Penn Medicine. He's at the Penn Medicine Center for Healthcare Innovation and a brilliant gastroenterologist by background. Dr. Mehta, take a moment and tell us, what are you most focused on and excited about right now? And what are you seeing with COVID in the greater Penn community and so forth? let do start for a moment on COVID-19 and what you're seeing currently in in, in the greater Philadelphia, Penn area, and so forth?
1: Sure. So, uh, you know, obviously we're still dealing with a lot of the implications of the COVID-19 pandemic. We're certainly not past it. You know, many people are still getting sick. Um, you know, we have to make sure that as many people as possible get vaccinated. We have to uh, think about the complications related to that. Uh, so, so we're still dealing with that, but we're also dealing with, uh, a lot of the care that got neglected during the uh, initial phases of the pandemic. And you know, I think we're still dealing with some of the implications of that. So, for example, you know people didn't come in for cancer screening. And uh, as a result of that, there's a, a large backload of of individuals related to that, and so we had to figure out how to care for them. And, and not just that, um, all the other medical issues that people have in their lives. And so, as a result of that, there's a lot of pent up demand. Uh, and uh, you know we have to try to accommodate our patients as much as possible. You know it, it's it's not enough to say that you know we can see you in five months. We need to you know, we need to take care of a lot of these issues sooner. So that's that's a big thing that we're dealing with on the um, uh, staffing and um, you know healthcare system side. Uh, a lot of people are burnt out. Um, the the pandemic was really challenging. It it got people um, you know it, it brought people together in amazing ways. Uh, you know, people are really, you know, we're focused on the mission, taking care of our patients as much as possible. Uh, but as as there comes to a little bit of a lull, I think uh, you know people are trying to uh, kind of regain that that sense of focus, regain that purpose. Um, you know, it's it's hard to hire people these days. Uh, a lot of people have uh, left our health system, or even left the profession for a variety of reasons, whether it's to go to other jobs or other opportunities, or even retirement. And so, with a, a limited workforce uh, and Limited bandwidth. We're trying to kind of deal with uh, more patients coming in with uh, less staff, and so I think that that mismatch is a big aspect of what we're trying to, to deal with. Some of that relates to you know a lot of process improvement, and some of that is an opportunity for innovation. Um, you know, and if there was a reason for innovation before the pandemic, there was a reason for innovation during the pandemic, there is a reason for innovation now, and and now it's trying to kind of balance that mismatch trying to reorganize care and, you know, think about care redesign the best we can, you know, making sure the appropriate people are taking care of the appropriate patients, but also leveraging all this this technology infrastructure that we have that got heightened. You know, more people are using text messaging, more people are using um, the internet. And so that's a greater opportunity for us to leverage things like automation to uh, reduce the burden on our, our limited staff.
0: But it's fascinating what you mentioned, this sort of this great dichotomy of institutions that are still hit by surges with COVID-19 versus all kinds of cancer diagnoses that are showing up much later than they otherwise would because of missed screenings and people not doing things they were supposed to do or trying to do preventive things during the pandemic. And What a, what a fascinating sort of juxtaposition of problems and challenges. And, and you take on top of that Staffing problems, increased staffing problems throughout the nation's hospitals. What do you see on the staffing side currently, and, and what are you hearing from staff at uh, Penn Med and so forth? Uh, you know,
1: pe- people are overwhelmed. Um, so you know, especially when you know we couldn't hire people, there was a brief time frame where you know it was hard. You know, we had hiring freezes because of financial concerns. We're trying to catch up and we're trying to hire people, but you know, people have other options too. And what happens is that when people leave, the the people that are left are dealing with even more, you know, they have to take care of those patients that the other people couldn't take care of necessarily, or the other people were responsible for. So it kind of heightens and exacerbates those things. I think, uh, you know, still taking care of patients hospitalized with uh, with COVID-19 is still a challenge because it ebbs and flows. And it's in addition to all the other things that people are having, heart attacks, uh, musculoskeletal issues. Strokes, cancer, whatever it is that 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 we already take care of, uh, and trying to kind of balance those things. So I think it, it is a challenge um, for all of us, uh, but also an opportunity to kind of think about better ways to do things. You know, can we think about processes so we don't kind of do the kind of redundant things that we used to do? Can we eliminate things that maybe don't provide value to our patients? Can we automate things that are, are not necessarily, are not necessary? Can we Uh, think about, you know, load balancing and leveraging our full health system to take care of people. Can we can we leverage uh, remote based care? Do people actually have to come in for a visit? Do you know, do can can we do this uh, through virtual visits? Do we even need to have a visit altogether? Can we leverage our patient portal? Or can we leverage remote monitoring sort of asynchronous communication to advance care uh, and making make sure that people get the care they need and people feel good about the care that they're getting too.
0: And talk about, you know, in this midst of so much disruption, so much change, so much innovation, how do you look at sort of competition in healthcare? What are you seeing or thinking about there? I mean, you've got this, you know, gastroenterologist, notwithstanding competition, seem to be doing relatively well. I mean, differences with patients not seeking up preventive care, and then academic medical centers like Penn Med are also in some ways in a great position, but also a challenging position. What are you seeing on the gestalt view of competition out there in healthcare? And, and can you even think about it during these, you know, during this pandemic and so forth?
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, healthcare was changing before the pandemic. Um it was it was much harder for smaller practices or smaller groups to uh, adopt an electronic health record to think about measuring quality, to think about measuring value, to think about a lot of the bureaucracy that happens in healthcare where we have to do things like prior authorization. So it was becoming very challenging for this, the smaller practices that were essential to provide really good care to lots of our patients. It, it's, a, it's a big part of our healthcare fabric and healthcare system. Uh, and, and a lot of these things were happening already. Uh, obviously, the, the cost of care was a big issue. Now that Kind of went down for a little bit during the pandemic because people weren't getting a lot of the care they needed. But now it's sort of going back up again, you know, with inflation and things like that. And so thinking about limited, you know, we only have so many resources, we only have so much, a um, uh, financial resources to spend as a society on healthcare. How can we be more efficient about that? So those are things that were happening before. It probably got exacerbated where the the smaller practices where. You know, maybe they would have held out for a few more years, um, kind of shut down, and said, you know, this is too much for us to deal with, um, and so with that, you know, there's there's you know new entrants, there's you know larger, uh, there's insurance companies that are moving into care delivery, there's a lot of health systems that are consolidating and merging, so they're becoming bigger and bigger. Um, there, there is even, you know, private equity that's getting involved with buying out a lot of practices. So uh, you know, th- there's always been competition, you know, it, depending on how you think about those dimensions. But uh, the way healthcare is organized is is different. Uh, and so, you know, for a place like Penn Medicine, it still gets back to the basics. How do we provide really good care to as many patients as we can deliver it to? And to do it in an efficient way that that we can you know, support and resource, and uh, you know those are the challenges before; those are challenges now, but it probably is heightened a little bit more uh, because of these external pressures.
0: Thank you. And, t- and take a moment. You help run the innovation center and a thought leader on innovation. What are you most excited about currently? I mean, there's, I mean, it, it's hard in today's world because there's so much information overload. There's so many different things percolating but so important to pick priorities. And so, so how do you do that? And what are you most excited about today?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's two things that I'm particularly excited about. One is to finally, uh, is more of an infrastructure thing. The fact that we've invested a lot in our electronic health record and automating a lot of, or sort of digitizing a lot of these processes, but it was in a very kind of transactional, just you know, take it from paper and put it into digital way. Um, because of the pandemic, you know, there's greater adoption uh, as a society in, you know, using digital means, not relying on paper for things. Digital consent versus paper consent is just a you know, very basic example, but lots of other ways of doing that. And so I think there's lots of great opportunities uh, for health systems to kind of figure out kind of better ways to do things, you know, leveraging automation, leveraging disparate health systems, figuring out how they can communicate with each other, whether it's working with insurance companies or working with um, you know, text messaging or whatever it is. So that's one area that I'm I'm particularly excited about, because I think there's a, a lot more that we can benefit from. We're, we're just sort of scratching the surface of where we can get those benefits, but the infrastructure is there, we just have to deliver upon it, um, which is you know, easier said than done. The second piece is just is a clinical one for my own area as a gastroenterologist. Um, uh, you know, uh, one big aspect of what we do is uh, population-based colorectal cancer screening. So colon cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death. Uh, there's actually very effective ways to identify early stages of disease and treat it if we find it early. So it's a, it's a success story in so many ways. Yet there's you know, a, a third of the population still is not screened. Um, there's still racial disparities related to prevention, but importantly, how we take care of patients. So that's a big challenge. And of course, with the pandemic, a lot of people got delayed in terms of their screening. So there's this sort of this pent up demand. So it's, it, it, it's an opportunity space, but also a challenging space right now. And so, you know, as a health system, we've been thinking about, you know, taking all of these, you know, um, responding to these challenges, but doing it on a system-wide level. So we're fortunate that one of our top line Penn Medicine team goals was focused on improving colorectal cancer screening in minority populations. It was an equity-focused goal and one focused on prevention, which is which was you know pretty relatively new for a lot of health systems that typically focus on you know hospital-based things or financial things, and so it allowed us to galvanize everybody together to think about all the things that we know that work. You know, how do we get people to get colonoscopy? How do we use home-based stool testing? Uh, but also to think about how to overcome certain challenges. You know, we're having challenges with scheduling, so we're using automation and using our electronic health record to do so. And so what was exciting about this was to think about a top-line goal, which is to get as many people screened as possible, but to think about all the 10, 10, 15, 20 different things that it takes to make it a system-wide effort, not just at a few of our practices, but to think about how we can do this across the entire health system and and do it in a centralized, integrated, uh, system-based way.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Mada. What what a uh, this concept of taking these from small parts to big scale to the entire system—such a critical part of leadership today—and so complicated, isn't it? Like it's it's very easy for millions of people to run small businesses, but this ability to take and institute concepts at scale is 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 really challenging. I find it really challenging and daunting to watch, And, and it's a big issue, isn't it?
1: Uh, absolutely. And I think it's heightened in healthcare because historically, you know, we have over 5,000 hospitals in America. We have lots of different systems. So historically, healthcare is, is, a, is a regional operating structure, and, and which is great, which is that it's local and it's uh, related to people's needs. But the challenge is that everybody's kind of doing things on their own. Uh, there's not great ways to share it. And, and that is, I'd say maybe even more heightened in healthcare as compared to other businesses, where we there's, there's lots of pockets of things working, uh, lots of it in this country, lots of it in other countries. Uh, but the question is, how do we find those things that are working on a very small scale, and how do we actually make it work on a much larger scale in a healthcare system that's somewhat fragmented? You know, many you know, physician groups are often separate from the, the hospital-based groups. Insurance companies have some aspects of the data Um, You know, there's lots of local operating structures, electronic health records have other data. So bringing that all together to help scale these things is, uh, you know, I I think one of the big challenges in healthcare, a lot of these problems that we have, have been solved on some small level. Uh, So so the question is, how do we actually scale those things, which is its own innovation challenge. You know, what we know from our innovation center is that there's early stages of innovation where you have to identify the needs, understand things that may or may not work and uh, identify early stages of success and that involves certain skill sets and then there's the later phase of innovation which is to take things that work work across lots of different stakeholders think about a business plan around it to convince the the, the finance folks uh, to support it uh, you know how do we convince uh, people that are sometimes resistant to change uh, or have some inertia to kind of start doing those things that's the sort of the, the later phases of innovation that are just as critical if not more
0: no, it's, it's actually very true. And in, in a very labor-intensive business, it's not like you just shift some code and everybody does something. You've got to align lots and lots of people to make sure the same standards, the same whatever it is that you're trying to do, are done across the system. And that, that's what makes it you know hard. It'd be, it'd be, uh, you know, if you were just giving a new program to a thousand different computers, that would be easy. But in, in reality, you're making some kind of change that's going to be adapted by thousands and thousands of people, and that's hard. Uh, and it's very Absolutely. different by department, by a different group and so forth. Dr. Mehta, always a pleasure to visit with you. I, I want to thank you for joining us again today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Always great to speak to a leader from Penn Med. uh Brilliant system, brilliant people. Thank you for taking the time to visit with us today.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.